My name is Ernie Gentry, and um, I've been asked to facilitate this session on therapy missions. And I'm delighted you're here to have your dinner with us as we uh, talk about therapy missions as it relates to physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and to social work. And uh, the first um, uh, speaker that we have for four minutes is going to be a PT, and his name is Larry Golan, and he's with AWE, Association of Baptists for World Evangelism, and uh, it's going to be hard to hold him down to four minutes, but Larry, (laughs) go ahead. All right. Can you hear me? All right. It's great to be in the same wavelength as people. Because I seem sometimes I'm a lone ranger as a physical a missionary physical therapist. It's just rare to find somebody that's involved with the rehabilitation through disabled. And if you read Luke 14, you'll find that Jesus had his had the primary goal and purpose of his of his ministry was ministry to the disabled. And uh, I don't know where we messed up. Messed up. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, is that okay? Is, can you hear me? Okay. Oh, wow. A Sony of my own. Hold them both together. Hold them both together. Hold them both together. Yes. Hello. This one is for magnification. That was for the recording. Oh. All right. Okay. So I'll, I try to hold at a distance here. So. But anyway, uh, thank God we got people here that uh, involved with and reach out to uh, people with disability. And when we talk about disability, we talk, I pretty much talk about physical disability. Uh, and uh, there are other disabilities uh, as well as deafness and, and eyesight problems, and those are disabilities indeed. And, but I'm not gifted in that particular uh, way. Uh, and we do have some ministries to that, but people with physical disabilities are pretty well forgotten and not dealt with in the church and through the Christian ministry today. Uh, I may be wrong. <laughs> I'll take that back. But uh, um, I'm uh, a physical therapist. Uh, that's my occupation. I'm a missionary with Association of Baptists for World Evangelism. It's headquarters in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, on the mountaintop. And uh, we have over about 1,500 missionaries. We're an independent mission, uh, independent Baptist mission. And we uh, deal with basically basic Bible doctrines. And we are fundamentalists as far as the scriptures are concerned. We believe that the word of God is given by God. It is in its original form. It is... uh, it is inspired of God, verbally inspired of God. So that's that's our our, uh, our purpose and plan. And church planting is part of the whole thing. And uh, so ABW is involved with that. Uh, I started out in physical therapy indirectly. I started out as a uh, rehabilitation specialist when I went to Mary for a bit hospital in Bangladesh, in um, Grand Rapids and turned learned to become a rehabilitation orderly. Then after coming to Bangladesh, uh, and uh, we learned the language, Bangladesh, Bengali language, uh, I was uh, given the opportunity to go up to the hill tracks of Bangladesh, and there at Chandragona Hospital, learned from Valerie Taylor, uh, who later became the founder and, and the uh, instigator 
of the Center for Rehabilitation of Paralyzed in Dhaka, which is a beautiful setup, two centers for rehabilitating spinal cord injured people, as well as 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 well as uh, all other disabilities. As as beautiful beautiful place. But she taught me all that she knew about therapy uh, two minutes ago. And uh, from there on, uh, I started uh, work as a physical therapist in the Memorial Krishna Hospital. And uh, went home, took up my physical therapy training after the Liberation War, got my training and went back to Bangladesh and started a rehabilitation clinic. Because the war made so many amputees. There were so many amputees out of that war we decided to go ahead with a limb brace shop. And after a few years of dealing with Western-type limbs, we took the Jaipur foot artificial leg from Jaipur, India, and brought it to Bangladesh. We started making the foot pieces there, which is the only place in Bangladesh that does it. And with that, we uh, worked and developed 15 artificial limb camps but we gave away up to 21 artificial limbs free of charge in different church planting sites. People came to know the Lord. One church was established, and uh, as a result, so and that's that's pretty much what the ministry had and continuing the ministry uh, and around the world now as we work as international director for ministries to the disabled and been in 13 countries doing that. Uh, thank you, Larry. Um, next on the program is uh, S.T., and her name is Marissa Lapish, and uh, she's never gone outside the country, but she's got a lot to offer, and um, so uh, uh, she's got four minutes now to share with you uh, what she has done by way of uh, uh, speech therapy overseas. Hi, I'm Marissa Lapish. Um, I was trained as a speech therapist. And uh, my previous work experience was in a university clinic um, in private practice, primarily with home health care. Um, but then I got saved, and I got married, and I became a, a home missionary at a Christian retreat center in Northeast Ohio, all in about nine months' time. <laughs> and so um, as God changed my life, um, everything changed. Um, I, had, I have ten children. Um, all biological, as Ernie wanted to know that, yeah. <laughs> yes, all biological children. But after the birth of my uh, fifth son, I realized that I really didn't have a lot of time to continue in private practice. Um, and earlier, I uh, had started writing, and I really felt compelled by the Lord to, instead of serve him directly and ministering to um, clients that needed speech therapy, that that I would write down my skills. Um but I was, in, uh, I was homeschooling my children, which I still do, and at that time, it was kind of the early days of homeschooling, uh, there were no real materials for homeschoolers who have children with special needs. And so I thought, hmm, if I just transferred my knowledge to and skills that I had learned um, into layman's terms so that a mom could do speech therapy with their child, I could save a lot of money and they wouldn't have to get it through other uh, I could save money for them, and then they wouldn't have to go to the schools for that. And so that's what I did. Um, I, uh, I wrote two manuals, and they're very homemade-ish. I brought them so that I would inspire you to write. <laughs> Occupational therapists and physical therapists to write down their skills. They're very homemade. They're used all over the homeschool community. But, um, and successfully, moms are able to do that. They don't need a speech therapist to go to a clinic to do that, and they don't around the world either. Um, 
So as they started, the, as the manual started spreading, um, I have quite a few friends that are missionaries, and so I would just give them to my missionary friends because they would have uh, children that had special needs as well. So they, so the MKs benefited from them. But one thing that really surprised me was that these missionaries started seeing the applicability of this same idea with their uh, people groups. And so my one friend who was a missionary in Haiti, um, she worked with something called the Lemuel Project with street children. She said, man, um, can I have one of these manuals and can I use the diagnostic tool for uh, language development, which is entirely cross-cultural because it's just basically the development of language. Can I use that to identify which of the street children that I can actually do um, educational things with that aren't so malnourished that they're so developmentally delayed? I need to pick out the top top ones so I can educate them. So she started doing that. the usefulness then ended up spreading to other missionary fields. I mean, totally unbeknownst to me till I found out from other people, um, including orphanages in India, uh, Clef Palette Clinic in Nepal. Uh, Ernie will probably tell you about some work we did. Um, it, he did primarily, but I told him how to do it <laughs> in Kosovo. Um, and an orphanage and MK school in Honduras, as well as um, in English as a second language training among immigrant groups in the United States. So um, so anyway, I, I want to really encourage people to disciple others in lay people um, in the skills that they have learned in their trades um, uh, so they can serve the disabled wherever. Okay. I'm Catherine Scott. Um, are there any social workers in here? Social workers? No? Okay. Well, I, I guess I'm the first of my kind, so whatever I tell you, you have to believe, right? <laughs> I have been on the mission field on, on several opportunities. Uh, historically, social work is not a well-established service discipline in the field. In fact, it kind of looks like today it's not established at all. But we are the original multitaskers in integrating disciplines. We're burden bearers, holistic practitioners. We're relationship builders and the ones who state, let me take that off your plate. I've spoken with several practitioners in the medical field, and I've asked every one of them, have you seen a social worker practicing on the mission field? Time after time, they all said no. Uh, And... They would tell me in the bush, when you're, when you're practicing in the bush, there are um, no records, there are no team meetings, no addresses, no phone numbers, no referral agencies, and no charts. Well, that sounds pretty good to those of us who hate paperwork. But um, and, and obviously on a short-term backwoods mission, um, social workers' role would primarily be counseling and team support. But um, I'm going to talk about what we're able to do for the team in uh, a longer-term assignment and or an urban area where there are already some established services and churches. Uh, Number one, uh, listeners. And we listen to the team members, to the client patients, their families. We listen to the Holy Spirit, and we minister the work of the Holy Spirit in healing and and, uh, deliverance areas. Um, counselors, we provide the feedback after listening. 
We offer options to patients, families, uh, where support exists. Um, Before coming, I felt the Lord tell me, social workers have the kindly eyes and hands of Christ. And the word that the Lord used to me was kindly. And I thought, yes, that's that's very Christ-like, doing things with compassion and with grace, full of grace. Uh, thirdly, we're case managers. Well, what does a case manager do? We're the paperwork specialists. We get everything integrated, put it on paper. We know medical terminology, develop a case plan if we are, as I said, in a longer-term assignment and or in, in an urbanized area. Uh, on occasion, we would chair the interdisciplinary team to assess and modify the case plan. We also are the ones who do the discharge planning. We set up the resources that the patient and their family will be needing uh, upon discharge and so that there is some follow-up for them. <clears throat> Number four, we're into education and advocacy. We use a relational approach after the model of Christ. Um, with client, patients, uh, the team, NGOs, and government organizations. We build up the individual, bolster their self-esteem, help them feel better about themselves. We use our, quote, people skills, end of quote. We represent the beauty of Christ and the mission with grace and with discernment. We're sounding pretty good, aren't we? Uh, fifth, we're into community partnerships, to, to establishing those and to fostering those. Uh, be sure to be aware when you go to connect to and to work with existing churches, um, GOs, and NGOs. My friend here, my new friend, Marissa Lapish, stated to me this afternoon, quote, social workers have an eye to identify the community leaders. Social workers are observant and can spot what she called community mothers, who are educators, caregivers, healers, nurturers, end of quote. Uh, we collaborate and help to establish community services. We, uh, as Dr. Chuck Fielding said last night, we, quote, leave a blueprint, end of quote. So we, we try to, to live in, leave an existing structure for those who come behind to have something set up in place, established in place. Team support is last. Uh, we are available for support to the team, for counseling support, listening support, spiritual support. Uh, we promote unity in the team, in the mission team. Uh, we foster peer support. Before you go, before you go, identify the socio-culture flavor of the population. Know with whom you're working. Uh, identify the medical and legal framework of the area in which you are working. Uh, identify the existing agencies and any framework that is in place uh, with which you can interact and refer for greater services. Identify the believers and the church network. They also are your partners in extending contact. Identify potential offending and uh, alienating behaviors and don't do them. Seven, global needs assessment. Okay. Well, the, okay, I'm working on it. I'm going to have time left over. You have to start somewhere with the global needs assessment. Uh, Dr. Catherine Walsh stated this morning in her trafficker, smuggler, and prostitution uh, presentation that people believe if there is no data 
then there is no problem. But we know when we go, we're identifying problems right and left. So begin the process of global needs assessment. Doesn't matter where you start, just start somewhere. Thank you kindly. My name is Ernie Gentry. I'm the uh, occupational therapy assistant, and um, I became an occupational therapy assistant at the age of 55. And um, so um, I uh, retired when I was 62. But when I was uh, when I got my occupational therapy license, my wife and I became debt free, and that's an important factor in what I'm going to tell you, because we paid off our house, we burned a mortgage at the same time I graduated. So when we graduated. Um, Two years before I retired, we went to Uzbekistan to see my son, who was learning Tajik in Samarkand, and found a 69-year-old guy teaching English as a second language, and we said, if he can do it, why can't we? So then I went back the next year for five weeks, and we retired, and we went back to Uzbekistan for parts of four years, and uh, taught English as a second language, did some OT in, in uh, orphanage over there. And living on our own money. We didn't have to ask for any money. We were uh, debt-free at that time. And then we came back from there. We went to uh, uh, Morocco for uh, three months. And there I saw two PTs doing a tremendous job in two clinics. There's opportunity there to do uh, um, PT uh, work there. I even went back with an OT who did splinting at a children's hospital in uh, Arkansas. And she did over 40 splints in uh, in in, a, in, a, in two weeks, a week at each place, and did a, and showed others how to do it as well. And uh, then um, we came back from that and uh, sold our old house and downsized, and then we still wanted to go again, so we uh, found an OT that um, found our Christian occupational therapy website, and she said she needed somebody to come and help in Kosovo, the new nation of Kosovo. Kosovo is an interesting place because it's a brand-new nation, and you'll never see another thing like this. Here is one flag. And look, it is a Kosovo flag. It is an American flag hooked together. They love America in Kosovo because it was America that delivered them from the ethnic cleansing of 10 years ago. And I was there for the anniversary, the first anniversary of the nation of Kosovo doing therapy. I did therapy with uh, uh, adults as well as children. I never worked with children before. And one of the little boys I worked with had club feet. And so God led me to build him a Dennis Brown splint. My son had one of these when he was, when he was born, our oldest son. But this boy is five and a half, so it, it didn't do all that it was intended to do, but it did help some. And the man that built it for me, he had this piece of metal in his shop and didn't know why it was there. I knew it was there so he could make this splint. And uh, then we put the shoes on there, and when we'd stretch his feet, and we'd put them in there at night so he could sleep. It's kind of nice to change a diaper. You just lift this up and change the diaper, so no problem. The occupational therapist that went to uh, uh, Morocco uh, uh, and opened up the work there for Christian Missionary Alliance, she found out that the ladies there were suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome. And so she went back to the... uh, the beginnings of occupational therapy in the sing asylums of England, and she found out they could do beautiful um, crochet work. And so this is a piece of what they have done. And now those pieces are sold. When I left there uh, six weeks ago today, 
I brought back 300 pieces that will be sold here in America, and the money is used to help those children with food and clothing. And if you come tomorrow to this room for lunch, I'll have some here that you can buy to take home for a Christmas. I've got a box of 50 of them if you want some of them. Not big ones like this, but smaller ones that are beautifully done. And um, one of the things that, that I do that, um, that has opened up lots of doors for me, I do balloons all over the world. My motto is building bridges of peace one balloon at a time. This is my famous one. <laughs> To as high as a four-story building. You don't know and, um, COPD, that's for sure. Yeah, COPD. <laughs> and so um, I do balloons wherever I go, and it, uh, my motto is building bridges of peace, one balloon at a time. And without knowing the language, you can make a little dog and for a child and, and put a smile on their face as well as Mama's face as well. And then this summer, God used a balloon to open up uh, vacation Bible schools for this little boy with the club feet. We had to have surgery on him. And I needed $5,000 to do that. And before the summer was over, with these children leading the way and God using a balloon at the end of the vacation Bible school, we had $7,800. And so I did some PRNOT work, and on the 24th of April, I went to Kosovo, and we took the little boy down to Skopje, Macedonia, and I saw the first surgery, three and a half hours of surgery. I was in a mask, and I saw them saw the femur in two and two places, put a, put a plate in and put four screws in it in a mask, with a mask and everything. And this little boy is going to need probably six surgeries before it's all over. And uh, as, as was said this morning, you know, you respond to a need, and I, I'm responsible. I have heard it. And so I believe God is going to provide for him over time. And I've seen it happen. I'm just... Excited about serving God, going overseas, and doing all those fun things, meeting people of new culture, and, and the OT is wonderful. And I love it and uh, love to be among my colleagues. So that's the four of us. And so now you've got a little idea of what an OT has done overseas and PT here. And then uh, Marissa with ST and then Catherine down there with SW. So the rest of the session is up to you now to... Uh, Ask questions, we'll direct them to whoever, or you can direct them to whoever. If you've got questions that you want to ask them, it's yours. So it's Q&A, so go to it. Who's first? This is an easy one. How do we get those speech? Uh, those manuals. Manuals, thank you. <laughs> you can look them over first. I brought a couple of I got a couple copies. If you're planning a trip like right away and need them, um, they're free for missionaries. So um, I have worked out with my publisher that they are free for missionary use and they are also free to copy so that if you bring one overseas and leave it, they can copy them. So I can sign the forms that will give you permission for that. And then if, if you can tell me if you're going over immediately or in, you know within the next few months or something, you can just take one. Yeah. Or if you think you have immediate need for it. I also have over there, um, uh, it's kind of an adaptation for pronunciation training for English as a second language. So if you work in an immigrant group, too, it's just pronunciation, though. So And it might need some explanation. But um, anyway, I can help you with that. One thing that um, 
I have offered to people who are overseas, and that currently I'm working with one uh, young woman who's just a kitchen helper at a Mennonite um, orphanage and uh, missionary school, uh, is that she's doing it. Actually, she's doing therapy, uh, speech therapy, um, just using the manual with some of the kids in her or in the orphanage. But um, when she has questions, she just emails me, and I consult her just over the email. So I'm free to help anyone do that, too. So. Okay. Very good. Anybody else? Sir. Yes. Okay, she uh, mentioned that before we had the meeting and that maybe she'd like to do something like that. Uh, let me see the hands of you that would like to possibly do something like that. Okay, let me put them down. That's good. All right, now the next thing is when's the best time? Summertime the best time? How about summer? Summer. summer. One, yes, two. It's, uh, uh, it's hot. If it's Thailand, yeah. Yeah, summer. Okay, <laughs> three. How about fall? Oh, summer? Okay. Okay. Uh, we've got the email list, and we'll work on something and get a cost projection on it for uh, maybe next summer. Uh, I know that uh, I'll talk to Larry about it, but I know for sure that that Kosovo could be available. And I know what it costs there, and know we could probably do it within a neighborhood of $1,500. And the airfare is around 1000 so it's through Vienna and uh, down. So um, we'll, we'll work on it, okay? I'll talk to Larry more about some places he might have in mind that maybe not so far away, maybe in Central America, South America, wherever. Yeah. Larry, you want to? Well, I just want to say uh, I have the address for the Christian Physical Therapy International uh, uh, website and for uh, their uh, magazine they put out every month. And uh, it's in Maple Shade, New Jersey, uh, and they do ads in there for people who want to work in uh, different fields, uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists, anyone with rehabilitation. They have ads in there for people if they want to join and go on to these various places. Uh, as far as uh, uh, working in uh, countries I go to this coming year, we hope to go uh, to Bangladesh in the end of January the, uh, and uh, uh, the most of February and do another artificial limb camp. Uh, we will give away up to 32 artificial limbs in, t in 10 days. Uh, we do the Jaipur foot, and now with a new knee joint that's developed by Laterna University, we can do above knee as well. And we'll work among Muslims here in the northern capital of Dhaka in the north area and work with one of the fellows that the Lord had, we had the privilege of leading to the Lord. And he's with SIM International. And he's going to find the amputees. We're going to, the guys that uh, are make the limbs, I have tried them trained and they do the work of making artificial limbs. I'm just there and check them out, make sure, and, and share with them. 
And uh, if you go, you'll have a translator. You'll have somebody helping you. So that's one me method. And then uh, if you want to contact uh, Jack Sorg, who is with ABWE, he's a doctor. He's in the booth up here, ABWE. We have four booths with our mission, and there's three of them separated from mine. And Jack's there, and he's going to go in July, this, during the summer, to uh, the Moldova for two weeks. And he's looking for physical therapists to, and occupational therapists, anybody in rehab, to go with him. So you can contact him there. So okay. He'll be there tomorrow. Anybody in the group that's uh, done anything with artificial limbs at all? Anybody? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, a couple of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, other questions? Yes. Just in missions in general, you know, there's kind of the talk about what's best as far as, you know, short-term missions versus long-term missions and, and, like, doing it physical therapy-wise, you know, there'd be the other component, too, of do you go someplace where they can afford to pay you or do you go someplace where, um, you know, you're, you're going to be faith-based, you know, support, you're yeah. raising your own support. And just, um, you know, wondering what your thoughts are about just – you know, short-term versus long-term, and, and then long-term, you know, being support, raising your own support versus... Okay, let, let me start with uh, what I know about a couple places. Um, the lady in um, Kosovo, she's with Christian Missionary Alliance full-time. She's a She was a CODA, now she's in England to become an OT, and she's going to start an OT program in Kosovo. There already is, is our, there is already physical therapists there, but no OT, so she's going to start that. So... But she's got to think about empowering and some of the issues that we've been struggling with here. And then over in um, uh, Morocco, uh, the two that I met there, one is from Switzerland, a PT, and the other one is a, a PT from Pennsylvania, and they're with established missions, and they are it's all pediatric and it's a clinic, and they're training locals to go out into the village and do uh, um, rehab work with primarily with children. In the Muslim culture, you don't always see all the disabled people that there are, are around, but they are there. And uh, once you people know that you can do something to help them, they come out of the woodwork. And uh, so there, it's available. And those two I know about, and let Larry go from there, and the rest of you can respond. Uh, um, yeah, you can go uh, to numerous uh, mission fields, and uh, like for instance, we mentioned those, and and so forth too. Um, go out to uh, places. We don't have to have the physical therapy training as such. Uh, you can do go as a history taker, and the as, and the history taker will take the the, the uh, uh, take uh, all the, the history of the patient's illness and then lead them to the Lord, or perhaps even through a translator of whatever, and then be involved with the ministry. So you don't have to have a special skill to be on one of these mission trips with what we have as the International Health Ministry of ABWE. Um, I want to mention something, too. We have front and right in here is a book that was written several years ago. It's up to date now. It's Handling the Young Cerebral, child, child, uh, cerebral Palsy Child at Home. Based on the the Bobath method of rehabilitation of CP, and uh, it's written in layman's terms, so that anyone who uh, 
is a parent of a cerebral palsy child can take this and use it for that child and for that family. I, it uh, is a 1975 edition, so it costs $14 to make to get. I might be able to get it cheaper, and uh, that uh, give it out to parents. As you work with them, you'll be able to see some results with this book. I'm going to show it to you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one other aspect of, that I found with short-term work in Kosovo is that um, they gave me the caseload, and I went out to the homes and did the OT in the homes. And what it did for the community, the, the church that was there in Kosovo, they allow a Protestant church there in Jelani, Kosovo, and it, but it gave visibility to what was going on in the church. So they were, oh, that's those people from, and so they like that because they, in the Muslim culture, they like to see people doing good work. So uh, mm-hmm. they, they love that kind of thing. So it does does give uh, that, and it is a good thing, and you can do that as a short-term basis as well with the caseload that they would create for you. Can I say about the long-term with getting paid or not getting paid, because I've been in Asia and never did get paid as a physical therapist, just did as a volunteer, mm. because I have four kids and I needed the flexibility. But there were therapists that were getting paid, but what they were getting paid was about $100 a month. But you can live in China on that if you live in a very small apartment and but so she was getting paid and she had faith-based support but she, because she was getting paid she had validity to keep her visa to live there so my husband when we live there he gets our visa i ride on his coattails and i don't have to you know but so in some of these countries you have to have a legit because they're like well how are you living and i'm well i have a lot of churches at home that are supporting me in some of these countries you can't one time I did say, my parents really help us out, which they do, but maybe $50 a month. But <laughs> So it depends on where you go. I would say if anybody does uh, consider long-term ministry, first of all, they go short-term anywhere. You'll be able to see what got you. You'll fit into the, the place where you feel God has called you. And it may take anywhere from six weeks to two months to, to be part of that work. Long term, and, and I say speak from 47 years of uh, working with ABW since 1963, and it took us four years. We went through two automobiles, wore them out, and finally got support, enough support to make it to the field, and went across from New York by harbor, by ship, to Bangladesh or East Pakistan then. <laughs> Man, uh, we left in April and got there on July 3rd. So uh, it uh, is entirely a different setup right now. You can fly a lot better, uh, <laughs> a lot faster. Uh, it, our mission has a, has a basic policy. You've got to raise enough support, faith-based You've got to raise it to, to provide for your family, for your housing, for your schooling, the children, and it's, it's, it's sufficient for that particular area. And uh, if you don't raise that, you can't go. And so it's it varies from place to place, but it, you can live not richly, uh, and you don't live that much above the national, but you do live adequately and you are able to provide for your needs of children. And the children uh, who grow up in that kind of a condition, that, say, say that uh, environment, 
are, have their eyes open more than any other children do. And they come home and, and just are ahead of the class when they come home. And uh, we have uh, two doctors in our family. We have uh, a mechanical engineer, an engineer, a missionary. Uh, we have an architect, all uh, because of what they, I believe, being on the foreign mission field, having that private, phys uh, private schooling that they had because they were long-term missionary children. <laughs> Anybody else? Uh, one of the things that I have, uh, my wife and I have enjoyed about on the trips we've gone and stayed of what we have is that we can live on about $800 a month. And so we actually save money by living overseas than we do here in America. Because wow. we have wow. a fixed income here, but we can live cheaper over there. So it, we, yeah. we're no fools, and so it's, it's a fun thing to <laughs> live over there and save money and serve Jesus as well. So it's it's a win-win situation. Uh, right here. I guess, like you, we try to pay off our house, and then we don't. I, I'm not a big raise per, raising money person, but I've been on some over. We've been on some overseas trips and kind of support missionaries. And I've worked with the wheelchair aspect um, with Johnny and friends and Hope Haven International. And and the when my most recent trip was to Africa, and there we, um, you know, spread the gospel, and, and it was to the Muslim community. And the pastors there said that's the thing that brought in more people into their oh, church yeah. and allowed them more interaction. And the government officials came and watched. And I, I, because handing out stuff, I know that kind of bothers me. But most of the families that are with the, with somebody with that disabled just can't work enough to earn to buy that stuff. And it, sure. It relieves the family of some stress if they can at least sure. move them. We, my, one of my most interesting ones was a, a teacher who had been in bed for 32 years because he his spine had locked and you know and he got we got a wheelchair God provided one that we could stretch him out and so he could now go in and outside he didn't have to just be carried in a truck you know, so so I think but the and we worked with the local people I we worked with the physical therapist in the in the hospital there and taught him how to adjust wheelchairs and stuff too because he, that wasn't his job. He couldn't do that. But by the end, we left him our tools and I'm going to do that from now on since you taught me. Uh, oh. So he was going to adjust the kids as they yeah. do and that kind of stuff. Okay. So so um, that's just another, another. there's so many different ways you can do it. Mm -hmm. And I went to Uzbekistan too, so I want to talk to you. Tashkent? Uh, yes. Good. Question. I was just—I'll just tell you all this and know this, but you know, obviously, those these positions are a very important part of the you know healthcare team. And all that, but would you say that you see like a need for physical therapists and you know social work and speech therapy and OT overseas more so than like nursing or doctors? You know what I'm saying? Obviously, there's a need for world you know missions in the world and stuff like that. But I'm saying you know you walk through the rooms over there and you see like. There's a ton of people, you know, who are nurses, and there's a ton of people who are, you know, pre-med and all that. But, you know, do you say, do you see a great need for a physical yes. therapist, you know, in the mission field? Like, even considering the fact that you're part of, you know, yeah. you have team. Go ahead. I just want to respond to your question. I see a, a vast number of people who have been 
unserved and underserved because the right therapists were not there to help them and the right people that they needed were not there to help them. So yes, I think I believe that the therapies are a very important and integral part of the medical team. In China, the orphanage where I was working, there was one physical therapist for 300 patients. And she was from the U.S. She was a young grad. She'd only worked like a year. She went there. And I came to help her volunteer. I was only there three months. She was like, could you just stay? Like, we couldn't. It was when the war broke out. Our kids had, were getting really sick. God was saying, you need to come home. But uh, yes. Oh, my gosh. There's, yes. There's a I've been to so, uh, 13, about 13 countries since uh, 1998 doing physical therapy and rehabilitation. And every place I've gone, they say, can't you stay longer? Can't you do something for our people? And I, I have the job of training. That the biggest thing is training nationals to be able to do what you do. Uh, it's great. <laughs> we uh, in Bangladesh, there's a guy who's a simple sweeper. He's never been back past third grade in class, and have taught him Johnstone method of using the airbag splint for stroke patients. And those stroke patients are better cared for than anybody that does in the United States. They're walking out of there because he has a, a real desire, and he does treat people. I, it's thrilling to see what, you know, you, you train nationals and train them to do what you can, because you, you can't be everywhere. <laughs> to train nationals, and those who are not even fully capable, you think of, they haven't got the degrees behind them, and they're able to do it, you know, and... and Get them organized. Yes. It, it's just uh, you're talking to you're asking the right people because we're passionate about the needs and the needs are out there. There's uh, lots and lots of need. Medical stuff will generally get taken care of, but the but the rehab stuff where it takes you know day in and day out type thing, it's just left. And and uh, one of the ladies I worked with in uh, in Kosovo, she had a stroke. She's 47 years old. When I first met her, she was laying in the bed. And she said, I just want to stay in this bed and just I, just die here. Yeah. And I came back, and I'm not, it's difficult for me to become a surety, but I said, Zanefa, if you die in that bed, if you stay in that bed, you will die in that bed. And she listened to me. And before the time was over, she was going from the bed. And she was, when I came in the uh, three days I worked with her, she was sitting up in a chair, learned how to transfer, pivot, transfer over to the chair, had arms on it, she was able to stand up, put weight bearing on her, Involved laying before us all over. She was walking to the door and back. Had to adapt a walker and took a AFO and cut off one end of it and put a, a knob on it to make a, a hemi walker out of it. And you just learn how to adapt and how to do things. And and that's for an assistant to do that, you know. But you just you learn to do that. And it's just you see that happen. But it just somebody has to come and do it. And there's just nobody nobody to, nobody to do it. Yeah. Yes. overseas is working with populations that I haven't had the chance to work with here in the States. Like you said, you've never worked with pediatrics before. What um, kind of strategies did you use to, to work with and be comfortable with, with patient populations that you have not worked with before? Well, when I did a little bit of OT, you had to go to, you did a little bit of children, pediatric OT. So I knew what a standing table was. I knew what this yeah. this was. I knew uh, basic stuff, 
and then but you get into a place where you've got, I've got to do something and uh, so that first week I made two standing tables I had a guy make them he the guy with my driver God's in this thing so what I say is a little bit of knowledge and a big God goes a long way and uh, the the guy that was my translated driver could made the two splints I mean the two standing tables when we put straps on we put weight bearing I knew, knew enough about that, and it taught the families how to do that. So when I left, they keep, kept on doing that. And I knew about, you know, speech therapy, about communication boards. I, I've never made a communication because that speech therapist did that. But I know, and, and her, yeah, she knows about that. And, uh, but then you're there, and you. so I just took four pictures of mom and dad and, and put their name underneath it and, and put it on a board and, and taught him how to. Bobby, you know, I, I don't know much, but I know enough to do that. And then, uh, you know, so you learn how to do that, and you that Hemi Walker just, you just, you're in your situation, and you depend on God. You just. It's amazing. You just you're in the middle of it, and there's yeah. nobody else, and you're like, wait, I saw a speech therapist do this once. I think I kind of know. Yeah. You know more than they do, so you just teach them what you know, and then. Yeah. It's. And there you don't have anybody else, so you can do it all. Oh, yeah, you have to. Yeah. Ah. Well, and now one of the neat things, there's there's some neat books out with a lot of information yeah. too. There's some really good um, village children. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's the one from Mexico? The one that uh, was made in Mexico of how to do it, uh, uh, rehab in Mexico, and how to make things. Um, that might just be the Spanish version. Oh, okay. There's, but there's some books with the internet, and if you get a, if you get some resources of people too. There. Yeah. So I mean, we have so many resources now that even yeah. ten years ago they didn't have. Those books are all available here, at least one food has them. The, the equipped. Equipped. Yeah. I'm going to go what? Like donations from Salmon's Preston or any, you know, any companies for just physical equipment, equipment other than like wheelchairs. I don't know about equipment. I don't know what uh, the therapist that I was there working for, what she's going to do. Because I don't, I don't get involved and in I'm just short term. And But um, Larry would know more because he's involved in in more full time. I, I don't fully understand the question. I guess I'm just asking how do you get your support for getting like walkers, canes, is it like Johnny and friends? Okay. You mean the, 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 the uh, ambulation devices, yeah. ambulation aids. Okay. Uh, thank God in Bangladesh we have a library shop and we do have the fellas learn how to make crutches and they learn how to make walkers and they make them entirely out of local material. And uh, we have a uh, guy goes out and contracts with a local uh, lumberman to get the, the wood for the crutches. And the guy it makes beautiful crutches. And also we got to use uh, conduit pipe. 
Yeah, that you can get in the, the hardware store, the, and uh, you make make beautiful lockers with that. And uh, one of the guys was trained up in Dhaka, uh, in the capital, by another mission to make orthopedic shoes. And so he has different size. He's got he's got all the molds ready, and he makes shoes of different size orthopedic style. So we the guys can do everything. In fact. I'm spoiled in Bangladesh. I mean, when I, if I'm home trying to get something, or if I go places like Ecuador, and I've been there, I saw an Ecuadorian bo- a kid that had no hip joint on the right, and if he had an issue weight-bearing brace, he could walk. But nobody makes it in Ecuador. We can make it in Bangladesh, right next door. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's frustrating that respect. But... Uh, and, you know, that's the goal. You want to get national involved with doing things for themselves, getting them and, and using that as their ministry to reach out to other people. Okay. Yes. This wasn't a question, but just kind of along the lines of what you're saying, because there are places where they have very good craftsmen, I think it's a good idea to maybe take, take catalogs of stuff that you like and say, okay, this is what this does and this is what it looks like. Can you make something like that? And, oh, and they do. Like, yeah, exactly. They're beautiful. They copy it completely. It would drive anybody, businessman in America, crazy. Because <laughs> they don't make any money out of it. <laughs> they actually have to bring over a wheelchair in China because they needed 400. Now the Africa thing where you take the wheelchairs, now and they wanted the really nice ones, like one wealthier, and they can go to Hong Kong and get them if they have money. But they would prefer to take what they have and make something. So all the kids are on level ground, especially the orphans. So like... They just figure it out. They find some kind of chair and they put wheels on it and they just sort of, it depends on how wealthy the families are, but mm. I don't yeah. know. In the book, The Village Children, there's mm-hmm. a lot of different different ideas and it's yeah. copyrighted. There's a lot of different. Is that, was that on the first floor or the second floor? In the, yeah. in the Center for Rehabilitation of Paralyzed in DACA, the two centers, the uh, actual uh, spinal cord injured Patients make their own wheelchairs out of out of uh, they make them out of uh, of uh, bicycle tires and what they weld to be able to make the make and they make sports wheelchairs and it's really great to see that they're doing that. Uh, they made tremendous progress. So that's why the World Confederation of Physical Therapy recognized Bangladesh just two years ago because of so much progress that's been made there. In rehab field. Mm-hmm. Any question? Can any of you address, just for all of us, I think, um, the, the feelings and the cultural uh, viewpoint of disability? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, in the West we view it as a, it's a, you know, very biological thing and overseas, it has very different kinds of yeah. cultural, yeah. which is why they're hidden away. <coughs> yeah. Do you have a question? Well, can you kind of address that from different perspectives, different countries? I don't know. Okay. That might be helpful. Yeah. Uh, Mark, uh, do you know about the work in Greece? Uh, do they have disabilities that come over from, that are in Greece when you're over there, Catherine? Greece is a very unique country in that it's the crossroads for refugees and people 
coming from the Middle East, from the Arabic countries, from Africa, uh, wanting to go into Europe, wanting to enter Europe, and then after that, enter the U.S. and Canada. And we saw many, many disabled people from, <clears throat> excuse me, all countries, and these people have been brought by their family members specifically to get them some medical help. Um, Greece, the, the government of Greece, sponsored several very fine hospitals and clinics and rehab, uh, inpatient, outpatient clinics for people to get services. And the only stipulation in, in Greece to get services was you had to speak Greek. So the, the church, that's right, it was all Greek to them too. But so was, you know, the people who came from Macedonia and Albania and, and Ethiopia and uh, Iran. There were just many, many Iranians just, and Iraqis just pouring into Athens. Um, but uh, one of the functions of the church with which we were affiliated was our partner in the work there uh, had uh, Greek as a second language. And people were teaching that quickly. I mean, just really total immersion courses so that all of these folks could get help. But once you could learn Greek, then you could be admitted to help. I don't know that this is directly related, but I went to um, the workshop with Catherine Welch on trafficking. And one comment she made was um, that the disabled population, just in general, is very high at risk for trafficking, especially in begging oh, wow. kind of situations. So, so I just, I mean, personally, that just moved my heart to, to think that what we do, um, physical therapy, occupational therapy, too, basically empower them to help them to not be as at risk, um, you know, is something just really beautiful, really needed. Um, the other thing across the line, um, and this is more maybe on a speech therapy end, um, I think I mentioned that English as a second language is such a close sister to uh, what we do as speech therapists, that in many minority groups within countries, um, learning English is kind of a ticket out of that lower status, which again bring, puts them at at-risk situations for not only trafficking, but just horrible crime against them. So, um, so again, that, I mean, just knowing English, knowing that they can get positions that the majority groups within the country cannot. So. I've had a few, opportun uh, one opportunity in uh, Uzbekistan before it closed down uh, of possibly doing something for a disabled community like a workshop of some kind, but we didn't we didn't get that far because the country shut down, but uh, um, but it is that is a possibility of some some countries is to do something like a sheltered workshop of some kind and finding what they can do um, to make a living for themselves. One of the last things I did before I left Kosovo uh, five weeks ago was um, to go up to a village to see two la young ladies that that uh, were crawling around on the floor. One of them was 25, one was 28. They were like paraplegic, but para, uh, paraplegia. But I, I couldn't get any kind of report, medical report, that something happened in their spinal cord. So I don't know what happened to them, and I want to go back and find out. But I found out from their older sister they had a whole suitcase of beautiful stuff like this that they made. And so we're possibly going to get them into that network of, of over 200 ladies that send work to America 
that make these doilies that they can get involved in making money for themselves and for their elderly parents that they have. So it's just a way to reach out, a way to to express the love of the Lord and just begin to build a relationship with them. Too. Art therapy. Interesting. Oh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no? Are you know this ladies that have the trauma, like even how they use the doilies? Um, I've heard that even for American soldiers, they use art therapy. Just, uh, that I can sure say that I have never seen it done on the mission field uh, in any of the countries, but I've seen it done in a uh, as part of my level one field work for a week of where they used art therapy to help some children. It's just uh, I hail you because it's an ap- absolute uh, wonderful tool to help uh, help children. But I personally have not seen it done on on the mission field. So uh, I mean in the foreign mission field. Mission field here in America, yes. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. There might uh-huh. be one. Um, well, it's still it's still stateside. Um, again, with the human trafficking area, um, that's that would be something very very useful. And there's a new um, home, a shelter going up just in Northeast Ohio um, called Grace Haven, and they're actually looking for volunteers to um, work with young women who um, are domestically trafficked in this in the states. And so I would really look into. I think that's going to have more prominence as laws. Past that, that you know, are against the, traf- the trafficking of women, as well as some more homes are established um, that you could use your art therapy there for sure. Good. Okay. I have a story to tell. We had a, a guy that was begging, and uh, he had lost his leg above knee, and uh, we gave him uh, a new leg. We gave him the the, the, gyper, the gyper foot plus the Laterna University knee joint, and he was walking well. I said, now that you've got a job, you can do it and can walk. Do you want to do, a, you want to do a shoe work? you want to have a corner tea shop? <laughs> you don't want to have, you can do menial labor, some things. He said, no, I believe, uh, I believe that I'm going to be an artist. <laughs> How can you be an artist in a place called Bangladesh. Nobody will tire you <laughs> to be an artist. He was capable of drawing beautiful pictures. And then he had believed in the Lord, and he says, came back to me and he says, I believe God has called me to be an artist. So I went to a Rotary Club meeting in uh, the city of Chittagong, the port city of Bangladesh, and met a guy that was an English fellow that had an art factory. <laughs> it was producing for in the export zone of Bangladesh art figures for export. And I said, he, he, this happened before I actually met this guy. And I thought, came to my mind, hey, maybe that's the reason why I got in contact with him. So I called him. I said, we have this guy who thinks he can do artwork. Can I sent him? He's an art amputee and he's Rotary Club material. <laughs> we help those people. So he sent him to him, and, and he said at first we didn't know what to do with him, but then he realized he could do work. And he's got a full-time job as an artist in an art factory. Wow. He, dreamed, he dreamed he would be that, and, that's, and, and he believed God was called into that. Amen. Yeah. 
Amen. And so, and in wow. spite of his amputation, he's come to Christ. He's got, uh, he's a member of a local church, and that's wonderful to see God do it. <laughs> One of the sad things about being in Uzbekistan when we were there, um, we taught English as a second language, but I did a little bit of therapy, and one of our students had a father who was 63 years old, and he had a stroke, and he had he was had a little bit of a limp, and he, and he had a hard time using his left hand, but he was a Ph.D. in organic chemistry, but they would not allow him to teach anymore because he had the disability, and that was just, it just broke my heart because here's this man that has all this knowledge, but because he has a disability, they wouldn't let him teach, and uh, oh. to see the other side, that's... That's heartwarming because you see that side, and, and I've seen the other side as well. Sure. sure. Trying to hold this little thing together here. Uh, Jim, I think I may have a bit of an answer to your question. I know that among Islamic peoples that someone who has a disability has to be hidden away, not only so they will not offend the uh, values of the community, but also for their own safety, because um, quite often Islamists believe that people with disabilities have been afflicted with evil spirits, yeah. and they will they will uh, go around half a block to avoid getting into their path, and they curse at them, and they may even hurl stones at them as yeah, they pass, believing them to be evil beings. I was just going to say something as far as Buddhist culture, too. Um, I, I um, did some research on it because of going to Cambodia and, um, and also for a, a class. And um, because of the idea of karma, it's just considered that that's payment for, for sins in past life. If you have a disability, it's, it's yeah. um, because in your in a previous life, because they believe in you know, reincarnation, I mean, yeah, that... Um, that uh, you know you did something wrong in a previous life, and so it's a similar kind of an idea. But uh, another thing that I read, and this is specifically about Cambodia, but it might apply other places too. But they were saying that um, there's a lot of name calling of um, people with disabilities, and that sometimes kids with um, real severe disabilities are not even given a proper name; they're just called by you know some kind of a like. For instance, one of the ones I read was like like calling. Somebody who has cerebral palsy, like frog or something. You know, I mean, it's like things that things that relate to the disability. Um, so there's a real stigma um, toward disability, much more so than than what we see a lot of times. And in the 2002, uh, in the winter, I believe it was about uh, February or winter, uh, we were going to have a limb camp in. Uh, in Putia, in Bangladesh. And just before we went, the, uh, the Islamists came and rioted on us, killed a few people because they were uh, taking some of their land and they had a problem. And I said, what in the world are we going to do if we have a, as Christians have a limb camp in that area and through a church, Putia Baptist Church? And But we went ahead with it. And uh, as we gave uh, the artificial legs to people, the Muslim priests came through and they looked and they couldn't believe what they saw. That people were, were loving these disabled people. And they went up to us and privately said, 
what you're doing is real religion. <laughs> They're saying, we're not doing it. <laughs> and, uh, and they said, we're the idols, we're the images. We thought the churches had images and idols in them. And every copy that we had of the Kitabu Mukaddus, which is a translation of the, the Old Testament, New Testament, into Musamani Bengali, was sold. They grabbed it and paid money, hard money for it and took it home. So that is, and, and many of those Muslims who came wanted to know more. What you thought, we thought you were our enemies. You love us more than we love ourselves. Wow. Why? Wow. Why? And well, opened the scriptures and started the chronological method with their Bible, and explained to them uh, why sacrifice had to be done. And they don't believe in that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. They don't believe any of that. They believe they have to work their way to heaven. And uh, so when we talk about all these sacrifices and then the, the talk about John the Baptist who said, here is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And they believe who John the Baptist was. And why did he say that? Because that person, Islam, had to die for your sin. And you have to make a decision. What do you want to do with this Jesus? <laughs> it opens so many doors. Anybody oh. else? Yeah. Well, in Vietnam, the life of a person with a disability is just mm-hmm. so worthless. I mean, they just consider themselves so worthless, and it's so, mm-hmm. it's so tough. And they'll say to have Jesus, to be loved and have oh, Jesus is just... Oh. I mean, there are churches that, with all disabled people, because they share with each other, and they're they have words. Sure. Them. So Jesus just changes their life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, let me just ask you some a couple questions before we wrap it up. Um, I hope this was profitable to you, and. Um, uh, would uh, this time frame, if I could get any input from, to back to the folks that plan this, would this kind of time be profitable for therapists next year to meet in something like this forum again for dinner time like this? Because um, we see we still have 45 minutes before the plenary session, so uh, there is there is time there if we you know to uh, to meet. Is that I see some nods. Okay. I um, I, I'll have to say something. Yeah. I've probably said too much already. But you folks in rehab have more opportunities and more time to deal with people's souls than anybody else in the medical field. Take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just going to say, even at um, Vanderbilt, I coming back from China working in a hospital, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't pray with people. I can't tell them, like, you know, but it's not like I spend a lot of times, and families will sometimes say to me, you know, they'll just, I don't know if they can tell that you're a Christian, or if you go into work every day and say, okay, God, today somebody I want to pray with, or somebody, he always answers that for me. But you're right, because I'm spending maybe 45 minutes to an hour with some of these involved rehab kids, and the doctor's in and out, uh, okay. you know, and... He's a good doctor, but he's busy, and you're right. Okay. A lot of time. Um, I'm going to be taking the um, 
list, of the email list, and I'll make a master of that list and have it in my computer at home. And um, uh, if any of you have anything that you come across that you see that would be good information that would uh, be that other people would like to receive, we can send it out. And I will. I usually always double blind it, you know, put it down so that uh, the uh, email li- names don't all get shown. So, uh, and I would send that out. So, so email them down, and also. Uh, Jim right there, if you get some Jim Snyder here, he takes care of the web for IOTFC, and we have a website. Ah. And if you have um, information uh, relative to good practice, Jim, say uh, some things that you're looking for that they could look out for and send to you. Well, we have, um, with, with Publish, if you have gone a trip and you want to put out a little newsletter, kind of, we take those newsletters and put them on the website so other therapists can read them and go, wow, Kosovo, cool. And then they can contact you and say, I'd like to get involved or, you know, tell me more about what you're doing over there so we can get more people to, to go next time. And so it's just kind of a little way to contact other people who are going and doing therapy. Um, there's also a section for professional papers. If you uh, are writing something in grad school or you've written something professionally, you feel like it needs to be out there, particularly for uh, occupational therapists, but see why we couldn't put something out there for therapy in general. Um, so that you can, you know, catch up on what's going on as far as your Christianity and your practice, or if you've done a paper that even if it's just a, a, a study or a bibliography of what's out there, it has to do with spirituality from a Christian perspective and therapy. We're putting some of those out there so the students can have kind of an access to that kind of information for writing their own papers and doing their own projects. Okay. Yes. The other thing I found is that even here in the States, if if you do something with an, a mission group, it gives people it gives you a reason to explain the the hope that is within you. Because mm-hmm. uh-huh. people ask, you know, whereas you can respond in a public school setting or something, if somebody asks you the question, mm-hmm. you can respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so that has opened some doors for me that weren't there without doing that experience. Mm-hmm. There's a good book I came across in uh, some research for a paper that it's, it's a nursing book, but because we're allied health, you may want to be interested in it. It's called Spiritual Care. Um, let's see what the actual Spiritual Care and Nurses Role. But it's um, it's very well done, and it, it gives examples of praying with patients and making it part of the care plan. So it's like uh, Mr. C- you know Mr. So and So asked to be prayed for because he was in a lot of pain. Prayed with patient. Uh, patient slept first time in two days. Mm-hmm. You know, so the nurse wrote, "If Mr. So and So is in a lot of pain, pain medication not working, please pray with patient." Uh-huh. And that's it. The care plan. And, you know, and there's so it's a way of how you can implement spiritual treatment into your care plan. And you don't have to just be a nurse to do it. Because I do it some with my uh, patients, but you can also. I work for the VA, so I dovetail with the chaplaincy. 
so you know there's you can really develop a team approach to spirituality and I thought it was a great book. What's the name of it again? Um, Spiritual Care, The Nurse's Role. And it's it's an university press. Let's see. Sharon Fish and Judith Allen Shelley. This particular one was published in 1978, but it's a it's a classic. I had to get it through interlibrary loan. But um, also, I wrote a paper that condensed all the different spiritual assessment tools that I could find out there, and that's on our website, so you can get a copy of that. So if you're looking for spiritual assessment stuff that you can use yourself, now OT and nursing, spirituality is part of our discipline. PT is technically not, so I don't know how you would, you know, we can kind of get away with it maybe more than y'all can. Okay. I'm going to ask Mr. Larry to close us in prayer, and if you want to stay and talk a little bit more until the next, the plenary session starts at 7.30. And we'll meet you back here at the lunch break tomorrow at the same room, and I'll have the doilies and all that stuff, and we'll have lunch together and talk some more. Okay? Ratana okay. Dear Lord, we thank you for providing all our needs according to your riches and glory. And you're providing for your presence and, and making it possible to be here to explain your heart, the heart that you have for people with disability, the heart that you have for souls of men. Oh, how great you are, how we appreciate and place and praise you all together. Now bless us each one, and we pray that that having been here, they would be further encouraged and uh, sent forth to be better witnesses for you wherever they are. And uh, we we depend upon you entirely for for your provision uh, that would guide us and direct us as to where you would have us to be that we would proclaim you as Lord and Master of our life and to direct us per, and privately and personally in a way uh, that we can know. Uh, thank you that you are a personal Savior and that you know us better than we know ourselves. Oh, Lord, bless us each one and bless this conference and open many doors that people would realize that there are uh, disabled out there that need to know more about you and that you are very much involved in bringing them to yourself. Pray that you'll bless us. We, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.